When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Pacific. I want to tell you about a podcast that I am in love with. The Amelia Project offers a very special service. Faking its clients' death to give them a new life. From cult leaders to celebrities, politicians to Santa, and much, much more. This show is a wacky ride and one well worth taking. They're just about to begin their second season, so now is the perfect time to jump in and catch up on their first 13 episodes. You will not be disappointed. Obviously, I'm a big fan, which is why I reached out and asked them to do a crossover with us. So the second half of this episode is actually going to be an original story they wrote just for you. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did working with them to make it. Second, I want to tell you about an all-new upcoming horror film. Joe Dante, Mick Garris, Alejandro Brujas, David Slade and Ryuhai Kidemirhev have combined their horror mastery to bring Nightmare Cinema to select theaters and on demand this Friday, June 21st. For more information, visit crankedupfilms.com. You'll find a link in the description below. And now, most importantly, this week's patrons. I want to give a big shout out to, and this first name is perhaps my favorite so far, Pugs, please. Brody McDougal, also known as Meow Ninja. Daniel. Robert Groom. Carlos Fabian Gomez. Gero Wolfdog. Little Ragondin. Nathan Abmelik. Dylan Knowles. Eli. And Dylan Farmer. Thanks, guys. Your support, as always, means the world, and it keeps the show running. Uh, as I've mentioned in other episodes, postcards they're about to be sent out so if you're a patron and you donate five dollars or more you can expect those soon and if you're not a patron yet but you're interested in getting access to ad-free episodes bonus episodes or even postcards of your own find us at patreon.com scp underscore pod and now without any further hesitation this week's episode Warning, the Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number, SCP-1171. Object class, Euclid. Special containment procedures. SCP-1171 is currently occupied by Dr. who has established a false identity as a technical writer. A tall wall has been erected around the backyard and all anomalous windows visible from the front of the house have been fitted with shutters. For security, several agents have been moved in under the guise of lodgers. 
Description. SCP-1171 is a two-story house in Queensland, Australia. It was built in 1958 and has been owned by several families, most of whom reported no unusual activity. The anomalous properties of SCP-1171 manifest on various windows of the house. Regardless of relative humidity, a layer of condensation is continuously formed on the window panes. The source of this moisture is as yet unknown. An entity, hereby referred to as SCP-1171-1, communicates by writing in the condensation, as though it were running an appendage along the surface of the window. No biological traces have been discovered on the windows that can be attributed to SCP-1171-1. Two-way communication can be accomplished by writing back. SCP-1171-1 is apparently an inhabitant of another world, calling itself Bjormont. It claims to not be human and is actively hostile to humanity. It believes Doctor to be an entity similar to itself. Please see interview logs SCP-1171-1-3 to SCP-1171-1-14. The most recent owner, John Wortham, complained about ghosts, prompting investigation by civil authorities and eventually foundation agents. Following the investigation, the house was purchased through a front organization and Dr. Wortham's memories altered. Interview log, SCP-1171-1-3. There's a pause. Is someone there? Yes. My name is Dr. Johnson. Nice to meet you. I'm Boromont. Where are you? In my living room. Where are you? In another living room. This is neat. How are you doing this? I don't know. I thought you were doing it. It's good to have someone intelligent to talk to. An oval with five dots and a curved line appears. Two dots were below the line, one above it, and two on the left. It is assessed that this is SCP-1171-1's version of a smiley face. Is there no one else there? Uh, mostly just a bunch of gametes and carbon lovers. Can't hardly stand any of that politically correct crap. Gametes? Yeah, you know, humans. Don't you have them there? Pauses for a moment, and then answers. No, tell me about humans. Oh, they're the worst. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not racist or anything. Some of my best friends are human. But if they're as good as us, why do they need skin? Am I right? I suppose so. Say, what do you look like? Oh, pretty average. Seven tendrils tall, brown carapace, green bioluminescence, blue eyes. You? Same. Interview log, SCP-1171-1-6. Doc, you there? I am now. How are you, Beremont? I've been better. Lost a promotion to a goddamned primate. I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. It just hurts. 
I know I'm better than any air-sucking sack of protoplasm. I work hard, you know. I know. They come in, they take our jobs. I tell you, Doc, one of these days they're gonna push us too far. Not that I'm saying we should get violent, but that's the natural result if things keep going this way. I hope it doesn't come to that. Oh, sure, no one does. I mean, they can't help being what they are, but they keep coming in. I mean, I don't mind having a few as neighbors, so long as they mind themselves. But would you want your spawn sip to marry one? I suppose not. Interview Log, SCP-1171-1-13. Doc, you there? He's out. I'm watching his house for him. Who are you? My name's, uh, John Doe. I'm a human. Oh, I didn't know Doc knew any humans. Is that a problem? No, no, no. It's about time Doc got some human friends. Great to see that he's meeting new people. Glad to hear it. Variety is the spice of life. That's my motto. How are you? Is your skin nice and flexible? Insides full of fluids? Everything is satisfactory. Thank you. I've got to go. You take care, John Doe. Interview Log. SCP-1171-1-14. Doc! Doc! Are you there? I'm here, Buremont. Did you know there was a human in your house? Yes, he moved here recently. Well, I had some words with him. He was a bit lippy, but I put that gamete in his place. I see. He didn't give you too much trouble, did he? Nothing I can't handle. You got to know how to talk to them is all. Let them know who's boss. That's the ticket. I'll keep that in mind. Welcome to SCIP Net Direct Access Terminal. Please enter command. You are attempting to access a security level 4 top secret file. The time and date of your access to this file has been logged and reported to the Records and Information Security Administration. Thank you. Ongoing investigation. Item number. Unassigned at this time. Object class. Euclid. Special containment procedures. SCP is to be kept in an empty room with stainless steel walls. The steel used must have a yield strength of at least 1,450 MPA and a tensile strength of at least 1,500 MPA, wall thickness of at least 12 inches. Occasional wall reinforcements may be necessary. Only personnel of security clearance level 2 or higher are allowed to interact with this object. See Addendum A. Description. SCP is a mallet made from what looks like iron and wood. It has a 15.3 inch head and a 21.2 inch shaft. It appears to be from the Iron Age Scandinavia, but all attempts at carbon dating have proved unsuccessful. Visual estimates indicate that the object should weigh somewhere between 6 and 15 pounds, but no successful attempts have been made to measure the weight. The exact nature of the materials used in this construction remain unknown. 
It does not seem possible for a human being to lift the object. When left unobserved, the object appears to move by itself, thrusting itself with great force at its surroundings, causing severe damage. The SCP seems capable of breaking or denting nearly any material. However, it does not seem to move by itself when being observed. It is still unclear if the object attacks its surroundings at random or according to a system. Whether the object is sentient and or of malicious nature is also undetermined. The object has no decorations or inscriptions, apart from a small Norse symbol at the base of the handle. This SCP came into the possession of the Foundation on 2-8-2008. Dr. Kith was contacted by a British civilian named Alvina Wright, requesting the immediate removal of SCP from the offices of project in London, Great Britain. Miss Wright first contacted the Foundation, leaving the following answer form message. Hello? Have I reached Dr. This is Alvina. I'm sure you remember me. Listen, I know I was skeptical when we assisted in your decision, which is probably why you decided to leave without But now we need your help, so... Our offices are getting wrecked. I'm dealing with a massive water leak, broken walls, a crushed foot... Uh, not mine. There's this... hammer, and... It's got a will of a quote. Damn! There it goes again. I, I've got to go. It, it, it doesn't move when I'm in the room, so... I have to go in there. Oh. You know the whole thing about our location being secret? I will send Joey and Salvatore to pick you up when you arrive at Heathrow. Just text me your arrival time. Look out for two Italians in an old van. Dr. Kith contained the object with the help of a superconducting electromagnet. was transported to the U.S. aboard a large-scale naval vessel. 34 reinforced steel containers were pummeled beyond recognition during the trip, before the SCP was safely installed at the facilities in Griswold, Maine. The following is a conversation between Dr. Kith and Alvina Wright, recorded at Control, four weeks after the attainment of the object. So how did the hammer get into the possession of the project? It was payment from a client. Who? You know I can't tell you his name. I would appreciate it if you told me something. Well, you also know that we promise our clients the utmost discretion. Why did I have to come all this way here? We are very busy at the moment. I've only just managed to redecorate the office. We require some more information from you. Which I had to fly to the US to give you? We can't trust phones. <sighs> Need I remind you that I did you a favor removing SCP from your offices? My jurisdiction doesn't normally extend outside of the US. I've said thank you, and that we're even. Not quite. The value of taking this off your hands requires something in return, don't you think? A name. Some kind of information? I thought your slogan was secure, contain, protect, not secure, contain, get paid. I'm more than happy to give the hammer back to you, if that's what you're asking. Fine. He was Japanese. He was a collector, and he had bought the hammer at an auction in Nordland, which is in the north of Norway. It was sold by an elderly gentleman who said the hammer had been in his family's possession for generations. It was assumed to be somewhere between 1,500 and 2,500 years old. It was priceless. Yet, the collector was able to secure it for less than... I'm sorry, I don't understand. 
What? If the hammer can't be lifted, how did this old man get it to the auction? Please note, by order from O5 Command, the existing relationship between Dr. Kith and Miss Wright is not to be queried by any investigating agent. If the hammer can't be lifted, how did this old man get it to the auction? He lifted it. Sorry? Apparently, the old man could lift it just fine. And the Japanese collector? Could also lift it. No problem. We have now had SCP in our possession for four weeks, and none of our staff have been able to lift it. Can you explain that to me? No, I cannot. So this gentleman brought the mallet to your offices? Hammer. He called it a hammer. It is technically a mallet. It is technically a weapon of mass destruction. Please note that although Miss Wright uses the expression weapon of mass destruction as a comic exaggeration, the utmost caution is recommended when handling this SCP. That's an exaggeration. Not if you look at our offices. Or Joey's foot. He was lucky to get out of there alive. Who's Joey? Never mind. Just tell the story in sequence, please. Sure. Mr. brought the hammer to our offices. Damn! You just said said his name. name. I'll redact it. Anyway, the client brought the hammer to our offices with a double request. Help him disappear and help him get rid of the hammer. When he first bought it, everything was fine. He brought it home, put it on display with his collection. He had a sizable assortment of Viking artefacts but he found himself unable to leave the hammer alone. He'd wake up in the middle of the night feeling drawn to it, compelled to go downstairs and touch it, hold it. He said, it liked my hand. Interesting. After a while, he started bringing it outside. At first, he kept it hidden in a rucksack or briefcase. Then he started carrying it under a large coat. It made him feel powerful or Connected was the word he used. Connected to what? His heritage. His Japanese heritage? No, his Norwegian heritage. His great-grandfather was a Norwegian sailor. So what happened? One day, the hammer started swinging. Swinging? Moving. As he was holding it. First slowly, then faster and faster. He couldn't let go. He couldn't put it down. He definitely couldn't stop it. The hammer dragged him to the city centre, where it started breaking things. He went on a rampage through Odate, the town where he lived, smashing shop fronts, windshields and streetlights, left, right and centre. The hammer pulled him in each and every direction. No one could stop him. The local police force tried. First they threw a net over him. No good. Then they started shooting at him, but the hammer just... Hit the bullets? Exactly. He was invincible. It went on for hours, until finally, it stopped. Three murders and fourteen grave assaults later. Shit. At which point, he got on his private jet and flew to London. To see us. A whole new life was the only way out. My colleague was more than happy to accept his case. We didn't even ask for payment. We took the case in exchange for the hammer. For further reading on the incident... Japan. See Addendum B. The incident was contained and redacted from public knowledge by the 
the Japanese Public Security Intelligence Agency. When did the hammers start attacking your offices? The day after Mr. Ito went off to start his new life. We discovered right away that we couldn't lift it. Not even Salvatore could move that thing as much as an inch off the table. The papers underneath it were a lost case. So we just left it there. But a few hours later, this is at a point when no one is in the office, I hear an awful racket. It sounds like a demolition crew is going berserk in there. I run in. But as soon as I enter, it is quiet again. But the hammer is not on the table anymore. It's stuck in the wall. Water spurting all around it from a burst pipe. So I start frantically moving case files out of the way when I realise the room is a mess. There's hardly a surface that isn't split in half or smashed to pieces. That's when you called us. I wish. My colleague didn't want to get rid of it. He was super excited about us owning a possessed item. I pleaded with him to call you, but he just wouldn't have it. When he sets his mind on something... It wasn't until Joey turned his back on it... This Joey was in the room when the hammer moved? Yes. He saw it move? Well, as I said, he turned his back on it. And when it attacked, he escaped, so... Then why haven't we seen it move? Dr. Kyth, I don't know what makes this hammer go off. I don't know what makes it angry, why it attacks some people, not others, why it prefers moving when no one is around, why it smashed every single cocoa mug we own, bar the one which says, world's best uncle, that's my colleague's favourite. I don't know anything else than what I've just told you. I'm just glad to be rid of the thing. Which is why we were happy to cancel your... We've been keeping statistics of all the dents in the walls in our containment cell. The north-facing wall has 23.7% more dense than the other three walls. Do you have any idea why that might be? How should I know? Your best guess, Miss Wright? Do you believe this hammer might be trying to go home? I know I am. Updated statistics show that the figure is closer to 31.2%. It may be increasing. Measures have been put in place to strengthen the north-facing cell wall. Before you go... Just out of curiosity, how did you fake Mr. death? Suicide. Bludgeoned by his own hammer. We made a replica which was left next to the corpse. Neat. And his new life? You know I can't tell you that. There's such a thing as case worker-client confidentiality, Dr. Kite. You wouldn't like it if I started talking about your... Suggested further study. Does Norwegian heritage affect the person's ability to lift this SCP? SCP-1171 was written by Dr. Everett Mann. Our host and narrator was John Grills. Buromont was played by Graham Rowett and Dr. Jones was played by Scott Thomas. Our second tale, Hammer, was written by Oystin Brager. Alvina was played by Julia C. Thorne. Audio was engineered by Gabriel Gieber. Dr. Keith was played by Atticus Jackson. Our music is composed by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. I'm your showrunner and sound designer, Pacific Obadiah, and our producer is Tom Owen. 
This is a Bloody Disgusting show. For more information, visit bloody-disgusting.com.